In 2018, Kendrick Lamar became the first rapper to win a Pulitzer Prize in music. He was also the first artist outside of the classical or jazz community to win this award. The Pulitzer board described the award-winning album Damn as a virtuistic song collection unified by its vernacular authenticity and rhythmic dynamism that offers affecting vignettes capturing the complexity of modern African-American life. I think the average hip-hop listener would agree that it is absurd that Kendrick Lamar was the first rapper to receive this award and that he didn't even receive it until 2018. Not because he isn't an incredibly talented writer and not because his album is not deserving of this award, but because he has been preceded by many rappers who have had the same um, vernacular authenticity and rhythmic dynamism as the Pulitzer Committee calls it. I think the average hip-hop listener would agree that Kendrick Lamar should not have been the first person um, in the rap community to win this award. Not because he isn't deserving of the award and not because his album isn't full of artistic merit, but because there were many rappers that preceded him with the same kind of vernacular authenticity and rhythmic dynamism that the Pulitzer Prize Committee speaks about. Richard Schusterman argues that rap is a postmodern popular art which challenges some of our most deeply entrenched aesthetic conventions, conventions which are common not only to modernism as an artistic style and ideology, but to the philosophical doctrine of modernity and its differentiation of cultural spheres. While song, poetry, and rap have always been interconnected, 21st century poetry illustrates a gradual erasure of the distinction between these art forms. For example, in the Black Automaton series, Douglas Kearney experiments with incorporating hip-hop production styles into his visual poems. Dan S. Smith experiments with hip-hop conventions and themes in their series of poems titled Homie. By studying poetry in conjunction with these other lyrical forms, contemporary poets will benefit from increased polysemic complexity, sampling as a method for artistic appropriation, and a strengthened sense of community among lyrical artists. In order to understand the way in which poetry, rap, and song have always been interconnected, it's important to understand what differentiates these three art forms. Thankfully, the TED-Ed channel on YouTube has a video that explains what makes a poem a poem. Poetry generally has certain recognizable characteristics. 1. Poems emphasize language's musical qualities. This can be achieved through rhyme, rhythm, and meter, from the sonnets of Shakespeare to the odes of Confucius to the Sanskrit Vedas. 2. Poems use condensed language like literature, with all the water wrung out of it. Three, poems often feature intense feelings, from Rumi's spiritual poetry to Pablo Neruda's Ode to an Onion. So given that those are the general characteristics of a poem, then how would one differentiate a poem from a song? At first glance, the answer is music. You would just add music to the background. However, poetry is inherently musical. This is because Poetry emphasizes language's musical qualities, such as rhyme, rhythm, and meter. So this is how the Boston Review describes the difference between poetry and song. Words in a poem take place against the context of silence. Lyrics take place in the context of a lot of deliberate musical information. Melody, rhythm, instrumentation, 
the quality of a singer's voice, other qualities of the recording, etc. So a musician has the ability to manipulate melody, pitch, and instrumentation to enhance the message of the lyrics. For example, a musician might use a minor or major key for their song, depending on its mood. Also, a musician may record their song with the hopes that the reader will pay close attention to the lyrics or even read along with the song, um, giving the lyrics the same attention that they would give to a poem, maybe even reading the lyrics several times or playing certain parts of the song on repeat. On the other hand, a poet may write their poem with the intention of it being read aloud or read silently. Furthermore, the reader of the poem, the traditional poem on paper, has the ability to read certain lines several times, extracting a different meaning from each read. So there are a lot of instances in which a producer will create a track with the purpose of adding the lyrics later. And in this case, the lyrics are secondary to the music. It goes both ways. Sometimes there are poets that write their poems and then later on somebody adds music to it or they choose to add music to it to enhance the overall message of the piece. A good example of this is Strange Fruit, most famously sung by Billie Holiday. It was originally written as a poem by Abel Mirapol and it was inspired by a photograph of a lynching. He later gave it to Billie Holiday to sing, and that is how most people know it today. Billie Holiday's voice most definitely adds a very haunting quality to these lyrics and brings them to life in a way that the words on paper could not possibly do. I will play a sample of that real quick. So that is a very basic explanation of the differences between poetry and song. Um, it is a very blurry line, but the line becomes even blurrier when we move into spoken word poetry, from which the rap music that we listen today evolved. The Poetry Foundation defines spoken word poetry as follows. A broad designation for poetry intended for performance. Though some spoken word poetry may also be published on the page, the genre has its roots in oral traditions and performance. Spoken word can encompass or contain elements of rap, hip-hop, storytelling, theater, and jazz, rock, blues, and folk music. Characterized by rhyme, repetition, improvisation, and wordplay, spoken word poems frequently refer to issues of social justice, politics, race, and community. Related to slam poetry, spoken word may draw on music, sound, dance, or other kinds of performance to connect with audiences. Poetry Foundation definition doesn't necessarily account for the specific way in which spoken word poetry became popularized in the U.S. in the 20th century. However, in MC Origins, Rap and Spoken Word Poetry, Alice Price Stiles explains how popular American spoken word poetry originated out of the Harlem Renaissance, the blues, and the beat generation of the 1960s. According to Price Stiles, we cannot talk about how spoken word poetry was pushed to the forefront of contemporary American poetry without talking about its ties with African culture. She describes spoken word poetry as something that naturally evolved from oral performance and storytelling in African culture. She writes, from oral folktales to traveling griots, 
oral forms have long been an integral element of communication within African communities. So spoken word poetry as we know it in the US can be directly attributed to African American communities. In Killing Poetry, Blackness and the Making of Slam and Spoken Word Communities, Javon Johnson writes that there's a strong connection between spoken word and radical politics. More particularly, he writes that spoken word poetry became more overtly political in the 1960s during the civil rights movement thanks to black poets such as Sonia Sanchez and Amiri Baraka. He writes that during this epic, the direct nature of oral forms coupled with the inherent black aesthetic served to carry pressing messages of racial inequality. Johnson goes on to explain the differences between spoken word and slam poetry. Slam poetry is essentially the competitive art of performance poetry. Given the way in which slam and spoken word arose out of African-American communities and radical political circles, they can be seen as communities that are always searching for and working towards something beyond, often by working in these radical traditions. It's incredibly important to understand the roots of spoken word poetry in the US to understand how rap naturally evolved out of spoken word poetry and why rap has historically been dismissed from poetry discourse in academic circles. Rap is essentially the love child of hip hop music and spoken word poetry. What makes rap rap as opposed to just spoken word is its signature hip hop flow and aesthetic. Furthermore, rap is not simply a type of spoken word poetry, but it is a form of black artistic expression. It cannot be separated from this. So if we understand rap as a, spoke, as a combination of spoken word poetry and hip hop that exists in the family tree of black artistic expression, then rap seems to exist in the gray area between poetry and black music. A large part of my argument in this podcast is that the boundaries between poetry, song, and rap are very ill-defined, and this is becoming more and more evident in the 21st century, thanks to the abundance of media forms that we have access to, the effect that globalization has had on our access to art from different cultures, and the works of scholars to decolonize literature and the arts. A shrinking distinction between various art forms in American culture can also largely be attributed to all the African-American poets and musicians that have recognized this interrelationship between the arts. Price Stiles argues that African-American forms of literature and music both tend to have ingrained speech-like rhythms. For example, Amiri Baraka talks a lot about the similarities between rap and talking blues. He says that's why rappers are always sampling people, because they can feel the continuity kind of between speech and hip hop. Another great example of the interconnectedness of black art forms is the jazz poetry of Langston Hughes from the Harlem Renaissance. Hughes was writing poetry in accordance with jazz rhythms using freestyle approaches and various subversions to form. Hughes obviously had a very large impact on literature today. And I think Toni Morrison was actually really inspired by this jazz poetry because her novel, Jazz, from 1992, is very similar in form and a narration style to jazz music. But that's just a side note. I just love Toni Morrison. Okay, moving on. So I can't really make the blanket statement that all rap is poetry because I'll have to admit there are many raps that are formulated with no designs or intention for the poetic more for entertainment value. For example, that really annoying song by Sheck West. I wouldn't really call that poetry. However, rap cannot be separated from poetry. 
they are intrinsically tied to one another because rap is something that evolved from spoken word poetry and spoken word poetry is just poetry kind of combined with uh, African cultural art forms. So rap as a black form of art that combines poetry with hip hop music kind of embodies the shrinking gap between song and poetry, which brings me to my next point. Contemporary poetry, and I mean this in a conventional sense, like poetry on paper, also shows us this blending between various art forms in American culture. A great example of this blending between rap poetry and song in contemporary poetry is Douglas Kearney's series called Poetics, the Black Automaton from 2006. These poems are very visual in nature. I'm more particularly looking at the Black Automaton and Tag. It is this really interesting piece that almost looks like a diagram, and it probably would be very hard to understand without doing a little bit of analysis. This is because this is kind of, these poems are Kearney's attempt to toy with poetics and represent rhyme, repetition, and simultaneity in a visual piece. He kind of describes these poems as his attempt to try to synthesize hip-hop production styles, such as sampling, chopping, and layering, into a composition process and aesthetic. Um, his wife actually described these poems as maps of the hip-hop mind. Kearney's work is definitely a really interesting example of the incorporation of hip-hop styles and sounds into poetry. It also has some components of visual art, but I'm not really going to get into that because visual art is a whole other topic. Another example of a contemporary poet whose work embodies this blending between rap and poetry is Dana Smith. And Dana Smith's series of poems entitled Homie, they have a particular poem called Tree. And I was watching Dennis Smith do a live reading of this at a poetry event. And um, it was really interesting because I noticed how their speaking patterns, cadence, and inflections make this poem almost sound like a rap or a freestyle. So I'm going to play a clip of that real quick. Okay, so here's an excerpt of Dennis Smith's Trees being read at the American Writers Museum. While Dana Smith's poem, Tree, was published in 2020, I think it's a really good example of how spoken word poetry is really so close to rap and how rap is something that really naturally evolved from spoken word poetry. Dana Smith has another poem titled Cream, C-R-E-A-M, after Wu-Tang Clan's song of the same title. It stands for Cash Rules Everything Around Me. Smith says that this poem was 
also kind of based on Morgan Parker's poem titled, All They Want Is My Money, My Pussy, My Blood. Smith's poem, Cream, has a lot of concerns that are very prevalent in hip-hop music. For example, Smith is very concerned about the rampant poverty in Black communities and the way in which the criminalization and incarceration of Black men in these communities only contributes to the cycle of poverty. Smith also is concerned about the way in which the prison industrial complex is an extension of slavery. So here are a few lines from Smith's poem, Cream. If I went to jail, I'd live rent free, but there is no way to avoid making white people richer. A prison is a plantation made of stone and steel. Being locked up for selling drugs equals being locked up for trying to feed your loves. I'm gonna play a clip from the song, Cream, by the Wu-Tang Clan that inspired this poem by Dana Smith. So I'm going to read some of those lyrics since they're very fast in the clip. Um, so the song says, the court played me short, now I face incarceration. Payson, going upstate's my destination. Handcuffed in the back of a bus, 40 of us. Life as a shorty shouldn't be so rough. In the notes of their book, Dana Smith mentions that the poem Cream is directly inspired by that one poem by Morgan Parker, as well as the hip-hop track, Cream. So this is already kind of an example of the interconnectedness of various Black art forms, with um, this poem being inspired by a hip-hop track and another poem by a Black poet. The next poem that we're about to look at also kind of embodies this interconnectedness between the Black arts. That's because this poem, called Anger by Warson Shire, was actually featured in the visual album Lemonade by R&B singer Beyonce. Okay, so here's a clip of Beyonce reading that poem. If it's what you truly want, I can wear her skin over mine. I've already demonstrated how rap music has evolved from the spoken word poetry tradition, but that influence goes both ways because hip hop or rap music, I'm using those two terms interchangeably, they, they influence contemporary poetry and they continue to influence contemporary poetry in structure and style and in theme. And we can see this in the poems by Douglas Kearney, Dennis Smith, and the Warson Shire poem that was featured in Lemonade. Poetry and song are very connected to one another, but the reason that I've particularly been emphasizing the relationship between hip-hop music and poetry is because this relationship has long been under-recognized by academic circles. People do not take rap music seriously. They do not study it seriously. 
And a lot of this, uh, it can be attributed to racism because rap has descended from African art forms. It also can be attributed to the themes in hip-hop music. Um, hip-hop music is generally very critical of the long-lasting effects of slavery. It is critical of the generational poverty that this has caused, the high rates of incarceration amongst Black communities. As the lines become increasingly blurred between poetry, song, and rap, contemporary poets should embrace this change. Because by studying poetry in conjunction with um, other lyrical forms, such as hip-hop music, contemporary poets will benefit from the increased polysemic complexity, sampling as a method for artistic appropriation, and a strengthened sense of community among lyrical artists. And when I say lyrical artists, I mean songwriters, poets, rappers, all of it. Richard Schusterman argues for the literary value of hip-hop music in an article called The Fine Art of Rap from 1991. Schusterman is very appreciative of sampling, and sampling is when a producer uses a, an audio clip from another source. Sometimes it's from the news, sometimes it's from a movie or a, another track. Usually it's just from another um, song, and they incorporate it into their own work. So Schusterman calls sampling a celebration of appropriating other works. Um, and he says that sampling challenges archaic ideas about uniqueness and traditional art. And it shows that borrowing and creating are not incompatible. He says that sampling challenges the work of art's traditional idea of unity and integrity. Schusterman's appraisal of sampling and the usage of sampling in hip-hop music is very relevant for contemporary poets. This is because there's a lot of concern that contemporary poetry feels derivative. It is contrived. It is not adding anything new to the poetry scene. And obviously this is a lot of unfair pressure to put on artists today because it's really hard to create a completely original work of art. And Schusterman is saying that like hip hop artists, we should embrace sampling. We should um, embrace the appropriation of other works through sampling. And we should challenge these ideas that a work of art has to be completely original and completely unique. Many contemporary poets already utilize their own versions of sampling. For example, Larf Poetry kind of does this. Um, Robin Costa Lewis kind of does this in Voyage of the Sable Venus and other poems. Most of the time, I think sampling is used um, as a method of appreciation for the work that is being sampled. Or maybe it's even a way of saying, hey, this um, song inspired the song that I'm creating right now. So I'm going to incorporate a little bit of it into this piece. A really popular example of this is like Nice For What by Drake. Um, here, I'll play a little bit of a clip of that. Okay, so here's the intro to Nice For What by Drake, in which he samples The X Factor by Lauryn Hill. So in this, particular, um, in this particular song, he uses it to kind of introduce his own work. But I mean, it's obvious that this sample is kind of the foundation of the song and is what kind of provides the beat for it. On the other hand, uh, sampling can be a means to subvert the message that was conveyed in the piece that is being sampled. 
Kendrick Lamar actually does this at the end of his track, Blood, on the album, Damn. The clip that Lamar includes is from Fox News, and it is a criticism of Kendrick Lamar's performance of All Right at the 2015 BET Awards. I think contemporary poets and critics need to let go of this fear of borrowing from other works and this fear of not being completely original because that's just not possible. And I think hip hop music does a really good job of embracing this through sampling and even using samples sometimes to subvert like Kendrick Lamar did. The racism that prevented academic circles from taking rap music seriously and um, including conversations about hip-hop music into contemporary poetry discourse has been very divisive and I think this has really stifled the sense of community that uh, poetry is supposed to harbor. If contemporary poetry circles start to really embrace the blending of song, poetry, and hip-hop, I think this will really strengthen the overall sense of community within poetry and it will probably also um, kind of nurture public interest in poetry, because right now I think people hear the word poetry and they think William Wordsworth, they think Shakespeare, they think stodgy old dead white men and elitism. And um, obviously that is not poetry. And um, yeah, if contemporary poets kind of start to embrace this, I think it will widen the audience. Schusterman claims hip-hop was originally designed to be appreciated through movement, not mere listening. It was originally designed only for live performance at dances held at schools, homes, community centers, and parks. If you think about the cult of slam poetry, spoken word events, freestyling contests, rap concerts, and concerts in general, and the sense of community that comes from these events, coupled with a sense of community among poetry publications, circles of poetry critics, and social media poets, this has the potential to kind of like converge into just like a giant community because all of these art forms are interconnected. So um, we really should embrace them as such. And I think that would really just like make poetry more of a safe space for people of all backgrounds. Schusterman also expresses a huge admiration for the polysemic complexity of rap music. Um, and polysemy, I think I'm saying that right, is the association of one word with two or more distinct meanings. And a really good example of this is um, the triple entendre. That is one word with three different meanings. And Nicki Minaj actually does one of these in her song, No Flag, with the term Rico. I'll play a clip of that real quick. Okay, so I'm going to unpack that. So the lyrics are... Bitches is finito, I call my car Rico, cause it's paid in full, baby, my car, don't get repoed. Obviously, this sounds kind of confusing, um, but if you look into it, there are three meanings of Rico in this context. The first is rich in Spanish, 
The second is Rico is the main character from Paid in Full, the film. And that is why Minaj says, I call my car Rico because it's Paid in Full. And then the third meaning is um, Rico, like my car, don't get Ricoed. And um, this is referring to the RICO, racketeering laws, in which your car can be repossessed for criminal activity. So that was an example of a triple entendre and a rap song. And another example of polysemic complexity in hip-hop music comes from the song New York State of Mind by Nas. And there's a particular line that says, I never sleep because sleep is the cousin of death. And this is a literary illusion um, that sleep as death, um, I mean, sleep as death's brother is this idea that comes from Homer's Iliad. But Nas is recontextualizing it um, in just a really clever way. And he doesn't mean sleep literally. He is referring to, um, like, the New York state of mind, like, always hustle, don't rest, no sleep. So the tracks that I just sampled from Mickey Minaj and Nas, they show that there is just a lot of verbal complexity in rap music. And this is something that contemporary poets could definitely learn from. On top of that, there's also the art of sampling, and um, there's just a strengthened sense of community that would come from contemporary poets kind of aligning themselves with rappers and songwriters.